Welcome back to the Unravel Podcast. My name is Nina. And my name is Helena. And today we're going to be getting into more of our personal stories and real estate. But first, what are we drinking today? It's not a cocktail. I know. Um, it's really, really early this morning. So we have decided to take a small little trip to Dunkin's and do Dunkin's this morning because yes. you know we need our caffeine. So mm-hmm. Sponsor us, Dunkin. <laughs> yes, we would be more than okay with that. So, so I wanted to talk about, well, you, you already mentioned it, um, you know, what life was like post pandemic, pre pandemic and kind of what that looked for us. Um, I know for me personally, it was, in, well, I'm sure it was for anyone. It was just kind of interesting because nobody was really like expecting the pandemic to happen. Um, almost feeling locked up in a apartment with my boyfriend at the time. It was, it was just really, it was really interesting what where were you during the pandemic? Like, what was your life like? Were you in, were you in Athens at the time? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So interestingly, um, we had just moved from California not long before that. So from going from doing real estate, moving states, it was all very busy, hectic time. And then of course, come to Athens, and then the pandemic hits. So I think it was. For me, a good thing, because then it was a slower transition. But honestly, it was kind of stressful, too. Um, You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, as you know. Um, Staying at home, trying to start a business. It wasn't ideal, the starting time. But I think for a lot of people, it adjusted how they looked at life and saw life. I think a lot of homeowners realized, hey, my house is not quite big enough. Uh, you know, I might need additional space. So I think for me personally, it was perfect for what I needed. Of course, at the time, I didn't think that way. Sure. I thought, you know, of course, you move to a new city and then the pandemic hits and everything's shut down, everything's closed. Luckily that we were still able to operate, you know, as realtors, we were essential to the business. Um, but what about for you? You know, you mentioned being locked up in a, an apartment. You know, how was it running your team and your property management during that time? So it's actually funny. I didn't have either one of those at the time. Okay. Um, so I was still doing real estate, selling real estate as normal. Um, I wasn't as productive during that time. Um, it was more of just like, I'm going to enjoy the not having, cause I mean, I, I work so hard all the time. Like that's, that's what I do 24 mm-hmm. seven and I'm well, everyone, I guess you'd say that, but I feel like that's not only like what I do, but also just like, it's my career. It's my goal. Like that's, that's my hundred percent focus all, all the time. Um, that I felt like that was a time for me to just like take a break and, and feel like I didn't have to do anything. I could just sit back, relax, enjoy life a little more. Um, because everyone was just like on lock, lockdown. And I had that perspective before, kind of when COVID was first just happening, um, real estate, nobody was selling real estate, like, because nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew if the market was, nobody knew what was going on in the market, what was going to happen. Um, until the interest rates dropped, then that's when things just skyrocketed. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, here's now's my time. But that was probably like, I think it was probably maybe four to five months after COVID came out. That's when the market went, started to go back up. Mm -hmm. It was like right in the summer, I think of May, um, and that's when I started being more productive and, and getting back into selling real estate and kind of took off my my break from um, from just enjoying enjoying the quietness of life. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I have clients and friends who they have 
opposite opinions of the COVID time period. For some people that are homebodies, introverts, it was their favorite time. They thought <laughs> I, no one was imagine. coming over to my house. I could work from home. And then for those that are more extroverted, they really had a, a hard, hard time being at home, not able to travel or do the things that they typically that enjoy doing. But I think it changed society in a lot of oh ways. Oh my gosh, yes. You know, there's been things that have happened in the past within the U.S. that have changed things, but this especially, and then inflation, I think for a home buyer, it's more difficult now than it was totally before agree. the pandemic, just because the cost of everything has gone up, cost of living, food, housing, everything, yes, yes. but their compensation, their salaries, their pay, their hourly does not match. So mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing we're working through right now. How do we approach homeownership? Because it's tricky. It's hard to be able to afford the down payment, to qualify. And I think we want to chat about that today. What are, your, what are you seeing when it comes to buyers? And, you know, let's say someone is, they were employed, salaried, but then COVID hit. Maybe they were laid off. They had to start a new business. What is a way that someone can set themselves ahead of the game in order to purchase a home or plan for it, let's say, two years down the road? So I've actually noticed since COVID, there's been a lot of um, like, like uh, how do I say this? I guess freelancers that are doing like Uber or deliveries um, and things of that sort uh, because they were really big during COVID because of the having to have the no contact. Um, and I think there's this misconception that just because you're a freelancer, you can't purchase a home. Um, and I think it's good for us as lenders and agents to educate our community and let them know that you can buy a home no matter what you're doing, um, as long as you have proof of the income. Um, and the thing with freelancing is you do have proof of income. You can show that you, you know, you can show your 1099 or, you know, however you get paid, um, that there's that income exists for that. Um, so I've worked with a couple of clients over the last couple of years that have been freelancers that have been able to purchase a home because they've had proof of income and actual and adequate income to be able to to be able to purchase. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really amazing. And it's kind of, and it's definitely helped open the doors for um, home ownership a little more. Um, although that's very good. Um, then we talk about what you mentioned earlier about the cost of living going up, um, not just for renting, but for the housing, but also for buying. Um, when the interest rates went down, the market's value went up, market value went up. And I think it's, it's very difficult because Yes, we want to see the interest rates go down, but also you're not going to get the best of both worlds. It's not you're not going to have super low interest rate and, and super low housing prices either. Um, so at the end of the day, I feel like it kind of equals out to some degree, but it does make it. It's I feel like it did make it a little more difficult for buyers to still be able to purchase to some degree when we're coming when we're coming out of out of COVID, yes, the interest rates were down, but also like you're having to show more income to be able to afford what these houses are selling for, yeah. but also not even what they're just selling for, but what also what people are having to offer over asking. Um, I know when I was trying to purchase at that time, um, some of the houses I was looking at, people were offering like $50,000 cash over, over mm -hmm. asking. And I was like, I'm not paying that. Like, mm -hmm. I can't. Um, some people still did and no, and this is no shame to them that did it. At the end of the day, you probably were needing to purchase a little more aggressively than I did, which is understandable. But for me, I was like, I don't need to purchase that bad that mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to spend $50,000 over asking. Um, so I think the market definitely shifted in that aspect. And I don't know if we would say that's really pre or post COVID. 
feel like that's probably in between. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you talk about a shift, that's something else, too, because a lot of people moved from being employed for somebody to being self-employed or starting side mm-hmm. hustles. And then they kind of have to shift their mindset around money. Because on the one hand, if you're self-employed and you have a business, you want to get as many write-offs as possible. Right. But then when it comes to showing income to qualify for Mm. a home purchase, you kind of are shooting yourself in the foot. Right. So being able to look into the future and say, okay, these are our goals. If we want to have an investment property or or a home, we need to start, I mean, paying more taxes because you're reporting more income. This is true. You know, in advance. Because if you're trying to purchase and you've only, you know, been showing limited income, you won't qualify. Or you maybe you won't qualify for the home you actually want. Agreed. And there's another thing too. It's, you know, the American dream of home ownership. You think, oh, you find your forever home. You live happily ever after. But with the prices of things right now, I don't think it's possible for a lot of first-time home buyers. So Agreed. understanding there's other ways to get your foot in the door. That's the biggest factor Agreed. to just purchase the property. Is it going to be your forever home? Probably not. If it is, I mean, you're lucky because most times it's going to be something that is a fixer-upper that needs TLC. And that's okay. Yeah. And even things like house hacking. You know, if you find a property that you can live in a portion and rent out the other portion so that covers your mortgage, that's ideal. Um, and I think the challenge is millennials and maybe Gen Zs communicating that to your parents. And not really caring their opinion necessarily, of course, unless they're paying for it. Right. Uh, that, hey, this is not our forever home. This is a strategy that we're taking in order to afford to get into the real estate market. Because once Agreed. you have that first property, you've, you're, you've, you're allowing it to build equity for you to be able to purchase another property that's maybe a little more suitable for you. Yeah. And it makes the biggest difference. I know for us, the first property that we purchased, I'm sure our families were not stoked about because it was not a forever home. It was an investment property, but that property now has gone and doubled in value. And so mm-hmm. I don't know where else you could get that same amount of appreciation. Totally. You know, agree. so now you can take that appreciation if you wanted to and put that towards your forever home, mm-hmm. or maybe take that money out, put it into another investment property. And you can kind of, it goes round and round and you can build the investment, but it's counterintuitive for what they kind of market to you or tell you, or maybe what you see in the movies that you get married, you buy your home, you have kids happily ever after. And you stay in that home, live there for forever. You die there. (laughs) No, I mean, but I think, I think, I mean, time has definitely changed where, um, and I want to even say just for this, this generation, I feel like for the last like several years, um, it's been where the first home you buy just isn't going to be your, your forever home. Um, it's your, it's, I don't even know the word. Like it's literally what you said it is. It's it's something to kind of get you into real estate and then utilize that to then eventually get to your your forever home. Um, and I think also like the styles, your needs are going to change mm-hmm. over time yeah. um, versus like your first home that you buy, buy maybe a two bedroom. It may be a three bedroom that's 1200 square feet. Like that's not the kind of home you're probably going to want to, you know, start. You may want to start your family in there, but long time, long term, that's not something that you're going to want to, you know, die old and 
grow old in, sorry, mm-hmm. let's say grow, grow old in, um, or, you know, expand your family in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you definitely have to keep those factors in mind. And like you said, just, you know, just get into something, get into something that suits what you need at that time and then resell it in a year or, you know, two years or whatever, after you've made some money on it to put it into the next, the next investment. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's very important, you know, the realtor or the real estate professional that you choose because, you make money on the purchase, not the sale. And if you buy something too high, it will take you years and years for that to catch up. But if you can find something that makes sense and is great value, you probably won't even know what you really want or need until you have that first property. Mm-hmm. You think this will work, but then you realize, oh, hey, I don't it have works. enough closet space or, you know, this bathroom is too small. And so your needs will adjust, like you said. But yep. it's yep. really all about perspective. I I actually have a story. I had a client, this was like right before COVID had started. Um, He bought a house, older gentleman, probably like in his very late seventies. And he, it was a new construction house and he really, really wanted it. It had the master upstairs. And I, you know, had to have a real conversation with him. And I told him um, like, are you sure you're going to want to be climbing stairs every single day? Um, like, I want you to think about what this looks for you long-term. Cause this is your last home. This, this should be your last home. Um, like let's, let's weigh out all the pros and cons to make sure this is really what you want. And he still wanted to buy it. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, I'm here to support you with whatever you want to do, which is what, our, which is essentially what our job is. We're here mm-hmm. to educate, but also support our clients. So, you know, I educated him on that and he was like, I still want to buy it. Okay. I was, I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, a year later he called me and he was like, Hey, like you're right. This, this master upstairs is not working. Mm -hmm. and um I was like okay let's let's do it and you know what stinks is I've noticed this is probably like the fourth client I've dealt with over the last couple of years that bought a new construction home and it's weird I don't know if you notice this too they don't appreciate in value as much or Mm -hmm. as quickly as um as a normal resell. And I don't know if it's, if it's, I don't know if it's, if it has to do with maybe they're still building out the neighborhood and then those, I don't know if that's do with that. Um, but like it, he, we were, we were, we were able to break even. I took a commission cut. Well, I didn't charge my commission at all. Um, so that he was able to sell, yeah. he was able to sell and still break even and get into a home that was more suitable for him. So yeah. we ended up going into another new construction that was everything on the main floor that he freaking loves, um, which I'm very happy that he was able to find something, but it stinks because again, he was thinking that one was going to be his forever home, but it really wasn't. And mm-hmm. that's okay. That's okay. Then you figure out the next situation yeah. and you get into something that is more suitable for you. That mm-hmm. can be your forever home. Um, but that goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago that, you know, you think you want X, Y, Z, but it may not be your forever. It very well is probably going to be your forever home because things are going to change over time and circumstances, whether it's health or your family or, you know, whatever that you're going to have to look at something different. Yeah, definitely. And that's where, you know, I kind of have an example of two different sets of clients. Both of them at the time were first time home buyers both in their late 20s, early 30s. And one of them, they wanted to go the route of buying the worst house in the best neighborhood. So it was a resale home, needed TLC, but the location was great and we knew it was going to appreciate. They were not real estate investors. They were not in the industry, but they were able to purchase that house, put some sweat equity in, do a couple different things. And their plan was to sell every two years. So be in a house for two years, make that money tax-free, depending Mm -hmm. on the price range, and then move to the next one. There was another client who, similar age, similar first-time home buyer, they wanted the creme de la creme. And they were in similar financial positions. And we were able to find them a house that they absolutely loved. I mean, it was beautiful, truly. But two years later, 
they've only gained a tiny, tiny percentage to where it doesn't make sense for them to sell because they would be losing money by the time they, you know, pay taxes and they pay fees and everything. And so I just kind of look at those two examples and people, I think it's helpful if you think about that and be strategic. What do you want? You know, because if you are making sacrifices now for the long-term gain, I think it's worth it Agreed. and definitely something that people should think about more. Um, do you see any of this in the property management side when it comes to investors that buy property and then maybe it doesn't work out or they don't want to be a landlord and they end up selling it? Do you see any of this in that? You know, it's funny. Um, to some degree, yes. Um, but from a property management standpoint, it's very rare that you'll see someone who doesn't, who just doesn't want to be a landlord because you, the whole, I've seen people sell to people. I've heard, ugh. <laughs> I've Street seen cut. people, it doesn't matter. Keep rolling like nothing happened. Yeah. 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 I'll use, I'll just keep rolling. Yeah. It doesn't matter to me. Um, so, um, I've seen people want to sell because, um, they're maybe not profiting enough and it could be because of the interest rates or something like that. Um, but in terms of people wanting to sell because they don't want to be a landlord anymore, not really, because that's kind of what they've hired a property management company for. Mm -hmm. Um, I've recently had someone do a deal on a purchase a new short-term rental because that owner before didn't want to manage it anymore, but also he wasn't aware of probably, um, the, like there's other short-term rental management companies. Hello, Athena. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh so yeah yeah and it's just again it's all about the strategy what do you want for your life and what do you want for your business um you know if you are just wanting to have a home that's yours and make money along the way i highly recommend thinking about the strategy of selling and moving every couple years um just because the amount of appreciation you can make that supplements your typical income i mean you can't really replace that Right. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to do what's best for you and your family or your life and not worry about what friends and family think, because at the end of the day, are they paying your bills? Are they going to be there when, you know, push comes to shove? A lot of times, no. Right. And so if I had listened to what family said or what they thought, you know, there's, we were going to purchase a house that was, you know, closer to 600,000. You know, that was being pushed on us, pushed on. We chose not to do that because it really didn't make sense as far as the appreciation goes, the taxes, everything like that. And instead, purchasing an investment property that was under 150, you know, it's kind of like the polar opposite at the time. This is the one that you put work into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but you know, it's not glamorous in any way. It's, you know, some people might say, oh, but you that's... knew it wasn't going to be your forever home. You, no. Your goal was to put money into it. Kind of like your, like, kind of like a client you mentioned before, put money into it, let it appreciate in value and then buy something mm -hmm. else. And I have clients under contract right now that they're doing that. They are purchasing a home that needs some TLC, but they're getting it for a great price to where it makes sense. And they're going to be ahead in two years. And so you have to kind of not care. You know, you can't care what other people think. You can't care what social media thinks because you totally have to remember agree. two years from now, you're going to be laughing going to the bank. So you just kind of have to keep that all into perspective. That is a great perspective. <laughs> so I think that actually wraps us up for today. Awesome. Um, we launch this podcast every Wednesday. You can find us on social media or wherever you listen to podcasts and we will see you next time.